0: All right, guys, we are live here on Fox Radio. Welcome into Brandon's World here on this Wednesday, February fifth, two thousand and twenty. And man, does it feel so good to be back, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, introducing today's show was the one and only Little Wayne. Of course, our tribute to the one and only great Kobe Bean Bryant, who of course tragically passed away at the age of forty-one. Unfortunately, about a week and a half ago. But, you know, guys, today is not only going to be a celebration of Kobe Bryant. Of course, we are going to talk Kobe. That will be in the bottom of this hour when Dante Santavante comes on. We're going to talk about Kobe's legacy, NBA trade deadline, all that. But today, I also want to dedicate this show towards the other eight people that died in that tragedy. Because I don't feel like the media has really done a good job of that. And I think everywhere you go, you've kind of seen stuff about Kobe and stuff about other people, where it's it's just, it's not about Kobe, you know, and I, I think it's been really wrong the way the media has handled it, I don't like all the stories that have come out, you know, about them interviewing Kobe's wife, and interviewing the kids, and TMZ getting the news on Twitter before the family even knew, uh, I think that was wrong, I just wanted to say my piece on that, but yes, today, Kobe, this show is for you, and without further ado, let's start, season. Number four, Upper Ends World. And as I've said, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we are live here on BlackSquirrelRadio.com. Now, every Wednesday from noon to 2 p.m., I'm going to be telling you guys about the oddest stories in sports. That being said, we are going to dive right into it because last night, during President Trump's State of the Union address, something big actually happened in the world of sports. And that was a huge MLB trade. Of course, the great outfielder Mookie Betts for the Boston Red Sox is now a Los Angeles Dodger. The Dodgers ended up trading for not only Mookie Betts, but starting pitcher and former Cy Young Award winner David Price. And ladies and gentlemen, who, in my opinion, what a ooh! the Los Angeles Dodgers basically stole from the Boston Red Sox. Now, this is really strange to me because this is something to me, if you're Boston, this is what a small market would do. This is what the Indians do with with Francisco Lindor, right? You trade a really good player, you get a couple prospects. Boston got a center fielder named named Alex Verdugo, who last year in 106 games for the Dodgers, he hit 294, 12 homers, 44 RBIs. That's not bad. He could be a pretty good prospect. They also got a pitching prospect from the Minnesota Twins named Bruce Dargretto, who in 10 games in relief last year had a 4.66 ERA. I probably butchered the name. I apologize on that. Uh, but I, I really do feel like that the Dodgers are now the favorites in the National League. I think this trade was great for them because not only did they get Mookie Betts, but then they traded away Jack Peterson to the Los Angeles Angels basically across the Segway in Los Angeles. And the reason why they did that is because they both played the same position. But what did the Dodgers get out of it in return? They got another Cy Young Award pitcher in David Price. And what has felled the Dodgers the last three years, of course, two years they made the World Series. Last year, of course, they did not make the World Series. They got beat by the eventual World Series champion Nationals. What really has struck them is Clayton Kershaw has not been caught in the postseason. Now they get a guy who has been clutch in the postseason in David Price, and I do think that the Dodgers are not the favorites in the National League. Now, on the Boston side of this, and by the way, Minnesota also got a piece out of this. They got uh, Kenta Medea, who was a former Dodger. This was a part of the three-team trade, and by the way, Medea has a career of 3.87 ERA, but he's 31, and he's a right-hander. We'll see how much that helps Minnesota's rotation. But on the Indian side of things, this is where I want to come in here and talk about this. Obviously, with the cheating scandal when it came down with the Astros in Boston, now, in my opinion, both teams are out of the way. So for the Indians, you look at the Indians, and this is where people get frustrated with the Indians, and this is where I don't understand the frustration. You got Francisco Lindor, Oscar Mercado, Carlos Santana, Jose Ramirez, and 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 obviously, Fred Rey is the guy we got last year from the Padres. There's your top five. And of course, they signed Hernandez, Cesar Hernandez, the free agent, second baseman from the Phillies to be second base. You've still got Roberto Perez, Jordan Lupo, Tyler Naquins in there, along with De Shields, the right fielder they got in the Corey Clover trade. This Indians team, ladies and gentlemen, is not terrible. Are they World Series contenders? Maybe. Maybe not. We don't know. Are they better than the Yankees? Absolutely not. Because the Yankees have Garrett Cole and they're more than likely going to win the American League this year. However, are the Indians worse than Oakland? No. Are they worse than Tampa Bay? Really? No. Are they really that much worse than Minnesota? No. The White Sox are better. I think the Indians are still better than them. You know, um, Oakland, all of these contenders, the Angels now, all of these contenders in the American League, starting with the Indians, all the way through that 6 or 7 team list, they're all about even. And it's going to come down to pitching, which I believe the Indians have. Even without Corey Culber, you look at this rotation. Shane Bieber is your ace now, I believe. Cookie and Clevenger could be number ones on other staffs. Clevengers are number three. Adam Pulido, because he's out of options, he'll probably get a uh, spot in there. And then you have to decide between Aaron Savali and Zach Please, Zach. I like both of them. I could honestly see a six-man rotation because I think they're both very similar pitchers. And then, you know, obviously under the bullpen, you still have the, the pretty good bullpen we had last year with Ann, Simber, Wickren, and crew. So the Indians are not going to be a bad team. And everybody's been commenting about Francisco Lindor's comments and how he wants to stay here and why Dolan won't pay him yet and blah, 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 blah. This is what I have to say, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry about it yet. The Indians still have Lindor for two more years. They have him for 2020 and 2021. The Indians don't have to worry about Lindor until next year's trade demo. Now, obviously, just like in football, you want to try to get a guy's deal done as early as possible. But as of right now, the Indians need to be focusing on building this team for this season. They shouldn't have to worry about contracts. And you know that our great front office, head by Antonetti and Chernoff. And of course, Tito, our great manager, will do something to the trade deadline and give this team a chance to compete. The Indians had a chance to compete last year. They did the moves they needed to make at the deadline. They got They got raised. They just ran out of gas trying to catch Minnesota. Now, the Indians this season, they obviously start home openers March 26th against the Detroit Tigers. As long as they don't fall behind, as long as they're within striking distance in May and June, the Indians could probably catch Minnesota. Because pretty much what hurt the Indians over the last month was they caught Minnesota in August, but they ran out of gas. And really, once they got behind the rest of the way, they played 500 with them. So if the Indians don't get behind, there was a real chance that the Indians could have made the playoffs last year. And I'm not giving up. I'm the Indians at yet. I'm not giving up both. Uh I believe the window is still halfway open for our tribe. But again, as I will repeat, as I said at the start of the show, I believe now the National League runs with the Los Angeles Dodgers. All right, so Dante Santavante is going to be here in about 15 minutes. But before that, ladies and gentlemen, we must talk about, ooh, what a month it's been in professional wrestling. Because, ladies and gentlemen, my favorite WWE superstar of all time. This man is back. Take a listen. I've been defeated and knocked down. Oh, dropped to my knees when hope ran out. Oh, it's going to change my ways. On this day, I see clearly. Alright, that's enough singing for me, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, the Rated R Superstar Edge is back. And my goodness, I could not be happier. If anybody was with me on January 26, 2020 at about 10 o'clock at night after, of course, the day that was filled with such sadness and such tragedy after the passing of Kobe and those other eight people on that helicopter... There was one man that could give me light that night. There was one person who could make me go to sleep that night. There was one person that could make me smile that night. And that was the Rated R Superstar Edge. And of course, Edge... Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns were the final three in the Royal Rumble match of course Drew McIntyre went on to win the Royal Rumble match and now Drew McIntyre will be main eventing Wrestlemania 36 supposedly against the current WWE heavyweight champion of the world my client Brock Lesnar ladies and gentlemen I must say that since the last time I've been on the air with you wrestling has been a whole heck of a lot better. And I have to admit something right here, right now. Since 2020, since the start of the new decade, I have not watched a lick of NXT and I have very slowly and and solemnly turned into All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. And the reason for that is, I believe there is too much wrestling in today's world. You have everything with WWE, Monday Night Raw, Wednesday NXT, Friday Night Smackdown, you combine 205 Y, the NXT UK brand, main event, everything they do on the WWE Network. Then you add in, you got ENA, you got Ring of Honor, you got AEW, you got New Japan Pro Wrestling. I believe there is way too much wrestling in the world today. And it's hard to keep up with it all. And personally, what I found out is, you know what? Three nights of wrestling... You know, WWE is asking us to watch seven hours of wrestling a week. And I don't care whether you watch it live or if you watch it on demand via Hulu or whatever you watch it on. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a lot of wrestling. That's about a day's worth of NFL football on Sundays. Which, rest in peace, NFL football season 2019-2020. We're going to talk about that at the top of hour two. But that is so much wrestling to watch. And it's really hard to do that. And so I stopped watching NXT. Why? Why, Bren? Why wouldn't you just stop watching Raw and SmackDown? Because I believe that Raw and SmackDown have been extremely, extremely, extremely entertaining lately. Now, Raw wasn't that good on Monday night. I don't know if it's because they didn't think the crowd was going to be there because there was a huge snow, snowstorm in Utah. But Raw was not very good Monday night. But nonetheless, Raw, over the last two months, Has been extremely fascinating better than what it was over really 2018 and most of 2019. The storylines they're building with guys like Eric Rowan, Aleister Black, Charlotte Flair, Buddy Murphy, Seth Rollins, AOP, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, Brock Lesnar, Edge, Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre. All of these guys are on Raw and they're all young for the most part obviously besides Edge and Orton. And, man, Paul Amon has done wonders with the show. It flows, for the most part, well. Everybody has a different, interesting story. Of course, Rowan with the cage. We don't know what's inside the cage. Seth Rollins was right on Monday when he cut a promo that last year, this time, everybody, including me, was running for him to dethrone the beast Brock Lesnar. Now you mention Seth Rollins is champion, and people flip out. I don't know why people turned on Seth Rollins. I still think he's a top three wrestler and my top three favorite superstars of all time. Besides Edge and Daniel Bryan, maybe I bumped down to number four with Triple H in there. But Seth Rollins is great. And, you know, the storyline is the people turned on him. And it's not really that much of a storyline because people did turn on him. Charlotte Flair winning the Royal Rumble. Looks like she's going to face Rhea Ripley for the NXT Championship. I could do without that, but I get it. Becky Lynch and Asuka's storytelling was amazing at the Royal Rumble. Everything on Raw has been fantastic. Then let's go over to SmackDown. The Fiend and Daniel Bryan told an amazing story for the Universal Championship. I believe that that was one of the best matches I have seen in a long time that I thought that that the winner was going to be predictable. And yet Daniel Bryan had me. When he hit that second running knee, I believe Daniel Bryan was going to win the Universal Championship. And man, was that match brutal. Shout out to both those guys for laying their bodies on the line. And as much as you people probably disagree with me on this, the Roman Reigns-King Corbin saga that, that probably ended this past Friday with Roman Reigns pouring dog food all over King Corbin, it worked. Okay, it's entertaining. Now we have Braun Strowman as a new Intercontinental Champion. But, oh, that stuff keeps up. And, man, I'm really excited to see the direction now that SmackDown has with some of his new storylines. Of course, Otis and Mandy Rose are going on a date on Valentine's Day. That's been one of the most interesting storylines in all of wrestling. So, I'm just saying, man. Raw and SmackDown have been really, really good lately. And NXT has kind of dropped off a clip for me. And AEW has kind of dropped off a little bit of a clip for me. And it's not that I don't like AEW and NXT. I don't like the style in which they do it. Uh, I'm a very different wrestling fan. It's just like I'm a very different person when it comes to takes these days. I am still what what the kids would say now, quote-unquote, old school. I still like to use pencils. Um, y- y- You know, if I can, I try to stay away from social media. I try to not send every thought I have on social media. I use them. I, I like emojis, but I use them sparingly when I feel like that they're needed. Stuff like that. I, I, I don't talk in, in weird... You know, shortcut uh, languages. I don't eggs with, with, with you know, you, with just using the letter. Just, you, you know, I, I try to be professional. I, I try to be like what it was back in the day. And back in the day, when WWE was good, cool, when I was watching it, you remember why I'm familiar with Edge and Vicky Guerrero and the Edge Edge? That's how I fell in love with Edge and The Undertaker, Batista, John Cena, Triple H, DX, Shawn Michaels, everybody. You want to know why? Because they weren't they the best wrestlers in the world. Now, some of them like Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, I'll, I'll give it to you. But really, Edge wasn't that great of a wrestler. But you know what Edge could do? Edge could wrestle a decent match. But Edge could tell a damn good story by talking on the microphone. Edge was one of the best talkers ever. That's where I get most of my eel turns on BSRWF. Check out the website for that information. Edge was a great talker. These guys nowadays, they don't talk at all, man. Seth Rollins is an okay guy at cutting promos. Ricochet's absolutely terrible and everybody loves him. Aleister Black's alright at it. There's some of these guys that are alright at it, but the old school guys, I'm talking Daniel Bryan, The Miz, John Morrison, CM Punk, Edge, John Cena. You know, these guys, they know how to cut promos and that's what works in wrestling. It is not. I repeat, it's not all about flips like AEW think it is or it's not all about swearing like AEW thinks it is. It's not all about having five-star matches like NXT sometimes thinks it is. I don't care if it's a three-star match as long as I'm invested. Let me tell you one of the best segments I've ever seen in a long time was the Rusev and Bobby... or not Yeah, the Bobby Lashley and Lana Wedding. Not the Rusev and Lana Wedding. The Bobby Lashley and Lana Wedding. On the last raw of the decade. And again, my parents don't watch wrestling that much anymore, man. When they watched that with me, even my parents were laughing. And they sometimes think wrestling's stupid. That was funny. That had, That was so bad, it was funny. And that's what wrestling is about. And I get it. Sometimes people don't like wrestling. I understand it. You either love wrestling or you hate it. And I'm on the love it side. All right, so coming up next, again, we are going to honor Kobe Bryant's legacy by talking about the great Black Mambo with Dante Sintovante, former BSR host, now TV 2 host. We are also going to be talking about the Super Bowl. What I thought about it, what this means, is Patrick Mahomes on the GOAT side. Is he going to eventually pass down Brady as the GOAT? Also, we'll dive into the, into the NBA trade deadline. What the heck is going on with the Cavs? Can they just give away their old team for free? Please? And what the rebuild began? And who are the Lakers and Clippers going to add? And who should be the NBA championship contention? That is coming up next here on Brands World. Did you know the Fox School Radio show stage of march? Well, we do. We have several different types of t-shirts, stickers, pins, record bowls, and more. Check out our merchandise via our website, boxshowradio.com. You can find the show link at the top corner of our site. Stay tuned it's and show everyone you are an entrepreneur by buying all your favorite station merch. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, I have with me here today, I have Dante Santavante, former PSR uh, radio show host. Now he is a TV2 personality. Dante, how are you, my man?
1: Brandon, I am great. I wish I was on here talking about something else, but unfortunately we have to discuss some tragedy. But I just wanted to say again how grateful I am for you asking me to be on the show today. Sorry if I'm a little late, I had to pay five twenty five for a cup of coffee. That's that's just think about that though, five twenty five for a cup of coffee. It's good coffee, but
0: It's good coffee, but that's a lot for a cup of coffee. It
1: is, it is, but I need it. I need it.
0: Yeah, well, you know, Dante, like you said, uh, unfortunately, we are here under the circumstances about a week and a half ago, my man. We lost somebody who, you know, we all kind of looked up to. And I think it affected us mostly because of the way it happened. You know, we all know that we're supposed to pass on eventually. Right. But it is the way it happened. And, you, you know, though, Dante, I said this, too, at the time of my show. I think a little bit. I I think all all the tributes and stuff are are obviously great, mm-hmm. but my problem with this whole situation is the way. And I know, like we both work in in media, obviously. I think the media has poorly handled the fact that it's not just Kobe. There were other people on that helicopter that passed away, and nobody else. To me are talking about those, those other people. So I think that we need to really put that in, in perspective. Like, hey, there are other people here that have lost their lives as well. Um, I agree with that 100%. You will not get an
1: argument out of me about that. But um, TMZ Sports was the one that reported the story. And um, uh, where I was
0: when it happened. By the way, where were you? I was sitting broke? in my dorm room. Um, and I was just playing a game of Madden. And I got a text from my brother that just said Kobe died. Yeah, uh, and I was yeah. like, "What?" We were.
1: I was. It, it was TV Two training day, and uh, all of us in the sports department and everybody at TV Two, we were um, in the newsroom, and uh, we were just finishing up, actually, and like it was like t- just at the end of training, and then I get something in the TV Two group me, and it's a thing from my um, the sports department group me. It's a thing from uh, my friend and colleague Ian Herman. Shout out to him. Um, he's great. He plays on the Kent State Club hockey team. Um, he's great, and um, he just made he made six o'clock sports anchor this semester, which is great. Congratulations to him. He's really good. Um, and he's a really good guy. And he put in the group chat. Um, Kobe Bryant just died in a plane crash. Just like as blunt as that, Kobe Bryant just died in a plane crash. And I immediately didn't want to believe it. I was shocked, as everybody was. Everybody was shocked. The whole newsroom went just quiet. Even people who. Like, I was in a conversation about Portage Pulse, you know, the artificial political news show. I was in a conversation with, like, you know, my new, um, you know, my new co-anchor, Aaron, about, like, what we were going to do this first week. And I just immediately, I felt rude and bad about it. I later apologized, but she said, no, you were fine, you know, because everybody was feeling like that. I just immediately shifted my focus to this. Kobe... Just seeing TMZ Sports report at first, I'm like, okay, this has to be a hoax because I've seen reports like this before. Okay, so-and-so died, so-and-so just is doing this, so-and-so is doing that. That's the – this is the era of media and journalism that we're in is where stuff like this happens and can be lied about and photoshopped. And it because it was TMZ Sports, I didn't believe it because, like me and you, I don't know about you, but I don't consider TMZ to be a legitimate sports – reporting industry and I really don't consider them to be a in general reporting industry. I look at them as a a thing that hara- a, a source that harasses celebrities in Hollywood. I don't look
0: at them as something that gives news. I call it the era of everybody just wants it out first and not getting it right. Not getting it accurate. It's, it is, y- and it is you know really and it really upsets this me. This is where I get upset because as you know we are both journalism majors. But as as I have always said I hate to say it, but I hate the industry I'm in just because – like I I love it and I hate it at the same time because I don't feel like people just – they don't care anymore. They just want to get it out and get it right, and it's it's not right what's going on in the world today.
1: There's – this is what I've been – we had um, Brian Stelter from CNN um, in the newsroom last year this semester. And Brian Stelter's—he hosts Reliable Sources every Sunday on CNN—and he was here speaking. He spoke at the uh, First Energy Lecture Hall, and um, he discussed when he broke the news of Anthony Bourdain. You know Anthony Bourdain. You know, you know who Anthony Bourdain is, right? I there. actually
0: do not know. You don't? Oh, well, no. he's
1: a former CNN uh, reporter Not he's a former CNN reporter, personality. He did stories, traveled around the world, and gave like really interesting things. He was a great reporter and very great person. Um, And he talked about the time he reported he broke the news of his his death, his suicide, his tragic suicide. And he took a step-by-step through the process of reporting breaking news and deaths like that. And he said, I first wanted to make sure, obviously, it was true because it was my good friend and my good colleague. And this was just a good person in general. And it was confirmed he was devastated and he had to get himself together and be professional to report this news. But then, most importantly, he had to make sure that his family knew about it because right, nobody nobody wants to know that their loved one has passed away or their friend their father you know etc anybody on television radio before they get it like as a person well
0: would. my thing is TMZ reported it before the families even knew exactly that's my old issue but with but do it. you see
1: what I'm saying like yes, he brought yes. that's like what a professional does however right. I don't know if you're right. a Republican or if you're a conservative but, but that's how reporting on a death is done right that's how the, it, the that's the right thing to do journalistically and morally just as a person correct and I'm with you 100% journalism our field was the industry as as they say wasn't the best that day But I did think ESPN, because I watched all of their coverage, because as soon as I rushed home from that meeting, I didn't want to believe it. But then when I saw it on ESPN, uh, Adrian Wojnowski, Ramona Shelburne, people that know Kobe Bryant and have covered him like a book, his whole career, people like Ramona Shelburne. But watching ESPN, just looking at the people in our industry that I really look up to, the good ones that you and I look up to, like Michael Wilbon, Ramona Shelburne is somebody who I really appreciate and I really felt terrible for Ramona Shelburne because they had that journalist-athlete relationship that right. you and I want to have one day. Right. And Ramona Shelburne grew up in L.A. She knew about Kobe's impact on L.A. And you could just tell she was devastated. Stephen A. Smith, you know, my all-time idol. Absolutely. You, you, I don't know if you saw his first reaction, but he looked a mess, and I felt well, terrible. As but, I but this is the thing, do. though. They still everybody at espn as much as there were flaws that day brandon espn did a very very good job i thought of honoring kobe the best they could because we are the sports network when stuff like this happens people like cnn and nbc washington post are going to look to us as okay we're going to take your lead on this how do you want us to do this and espn said okay this is how you should do it these are we're going to bring these reporters on that knew him we're going to bring these guys on so and so and we're going to honor Kobe in the best and his daughter Gian in the best way possible but to just finish on the journalism aspect of that day um it wasn't the best but I thought ESPN did a very good job and gave us me and you a blueprint on how to handle and honor something like this
0: absolutely okay so Dante really quickly speaking of honoring Kobe Yes. What are your thoughts? Because I do not like the fact that they have changed the All-Star Game format. Uh, I do not think that Kobe Kobe would want that. Well, Kobe Bryant, first of all, Kobe Bryant, um,
1: the impact that he had, you need to understand, Brandon, um, and and I know you're a big basketball fan like I am, but um, the impact that he had on the sport, um, he had the impact of Michael Jordan, Dr. J, Bill Russell, um, you know, LeBron James, he had that cultural impact. And it wasn't just his playing impact, he had the cultural impact. Right. The mama mentality right. was a real thing, and it still is a real thing. And I I, I just think that however the NBA and Adam Silver and the All Star game want to honor Kobe Bryant, I think that they're thinking to themselves, what would Kobe Bryant value the most? And See, but, but I, I think me- he would value that
0: to me i don't i i understand the fact that they are going to wear his jerseys and do all that celebrate but now you're actually changing the way the, the way an nba game is played for one night i understand well, it Brandon, it's
1: the all star game but-
0: but it's still a game. That's the point. This now is not a game. Resetting the score and going they up. They
1: did to, Brandon. They did that with the with picking the teams like the last two years. They changed the All Star game. Yeah, they've yeah, been picking, playing with it for years. Picking Brandon.
0: the teams is not the same as the game. The game is the game, right? The right. the game is the game. I don't care how you want to. I don't care if you want to divide it up east versus west. Uh, how they did it in the past or how they're doing it yeah. now. But what I'm saying is, the intention of the game is still the game, and it should be played as a regular NBA game. 12 minutes, yeah. four quarters, 48 minutes. That is not what's happening this year. Yeah, That's my issue with it. That is my issue with it. I don't have an issue with everything they're doing right. Pre, right. Of course pre- pre-game. Of course my issue is would? what they're doing with it during the game. The game itself should not be changed. When that ball goes up in the air, that's the way the game should be played. 48 minutes. And let's do it for Kobe. Let's put it on a show for Kobe. Let's not change the game for him. Let's play it the way it was intended. I mean, to. Brandon,
1: Brandon, I could get into what I think the All Star Game should try in terms of format all
0: day long. There's but, no need to change the format. That's my point. But
1: it's 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 okay to. I think it's okay to experiment because Brandon, you need to understand that the All Star Game in players' minds isn't as a I feel like it's not as as important. See, but that's the issue. That
0: is the issue. It should be important. It should be important. That's what I remember growing up is watching the All Star game, watching all my favorite players. Now it's a joke across all sports, not just the NBA. It's a joke across all sports. People are taking it seriously. Why do we even have it? Well I
1: think I think we should I think the NBA should always – they should have the home court advantage like like baseball used to have. If the AL wins, they get home field advantage. Like like baseball's See, that, all-star game that I agree with. It. They, and baseball's
0: because, all-star game is now ruined because they don't have that.
1: Yeah, and I agree 100%. And I think the NBA should do that. And the Pro Bowl, I think they should dismantle the Pro Bowl. But – well, not all pro selections, but like they should just, just right, dismantle right. the Pro Bowl yeah. game in general. And the NHL all-star game is like pulling teeth. And I don't know how you feel about that and you know the you know the uh, the Reeses bowl or I that, that could be the I know I know football. nothing about hockey
0: so I'm not even gonna comment on hockey
1: you know but bottom line is i I think it's a it's a good way to honor Kobe Bryant and Brandon I don't think it's worth getting honestly worked up
0: over but I I'm going to agree to Agreed. disagree. Let's just agree to disagree. All right, so that. I'm going to move on here because we got about eh, give or take about ten minutes left. I want to talk to you tomorrow. Of course, obviously, three p.m. is the NBA trade deadline. Um, look, I don't care what happened to this trade deadline. It's,
1: just, it's well, they, well, there was a trade last right night. Uh, right I, trade I know there.
0: that, and I you know to be honest, I don't love it for Houston. I, I got Robert was, Covington. Where's your rim protection now, though?
1: Robert Covington, he was all defense.
0: They got of rid years. of Capella and Nene? Yeah, I don't... Who I, are you going to guard? Yeah, I
1: don't... Well, Covington was all defense. Right, but a he's a wing of, player. Yeah, I understand. I understand, but... I, I, I'm i with you. I don't like the trade. I don't, I don't think it's good for, for Houston. I think Daryl Morey... Um, in a surprising because there are basketball basketball IQs to the roof and this one time See, it's...
0: The, they they are very analytically driven organization and I yeah, and a, I just, like I analytics but sometimes analytics get you into trouble yeah I I uh, like numbers I've always said this I like numbers but sometimes when I need to make a decision, I just I test.
1: Um, I'm what you say, uh, Brandon. I'm a moderate when it comes to analytics. I think it's necessary, but at the same time, there's times where it's not necessary. Right, I completely but, agree with you. But uh, I, I Daryl Morey, just I don't like this move. I don't like it for Houston. Um, it's good for Atlanta. It's good for Atlanta. Um, it's good for Minnesota. You know, getting some picks. Um, but uh, you know, I don't see how this works out for Houston. I mean, you're an NBA. F- you're trying to win the West. And you, oh, you
0: they—they're—they're eh, they're what I call a fake contender in the West. Yeah, but they,
1: they still. When you have Russell Westbrook and James Harden on the same team, it's oh wait a minute, who have I'm choked with, for un, the last three years? I'm with you. They're underachieving. They're underachieving.
0: So right now, I—I I got the standings right in front of me. Right now, okay. they're the five seed. They would be playing the Jazz in the first round. Who on their team could guard Rudy Gobert? I'm just gonna throw it down to him every time. Yeah. Now they don't have a center. Yeah, At least I just, understand yeah. Capella can't shoot. But he was a giant rim protector. He the got you off. 15 to 20 rebounds a game. Yeah, he was a big man in the middle, and that's what gives people problems now. When you play the Nuggets, yeah, Nuggets. That's, yeah, that's even an even good, bigger problem. You, you play the Lakers with AD. Yeah, I mean, my lord. All right, so speaking I'm with you, Brandon. So speaking of the Lakers, yes, my uh, Lakers. Do, yes, do you think they need to make a move? And if they do, who who would you like for them to target? Um. <sighs>
1: Derek Rose. Derrick Rose without question. Derek Rose is who they need right now. Derek Rose, they they just need to have more depth. Um I, I I just I love this team. I think this team can win the West. I think this team could beat the Clippers in a seven game series. Frank Vogel. I think we need to give Frank Vogel props because yes, me do. Me and a lot of other people thought Frank Vogel wouldn't be this far. But we we have not heard rumors of of Frank Vogel and LeBron getting into arguments, they're on the same creative like path dialogue. Jason Kidd, you know, I told you this before as a guest on your show, I thought Jason Kidd was just going to replace Vogel, and I couldn't stand the fact that they had both of the candidates they, they looked at at for head coach, but you have one at head coach, one at assistant, at assistant, and it would be one thing if they were already on the team, on the staff, but, you know, I've told you that. I, I've, I've told you that. But it's just been such a good system. The coaching has been very good. I think we need to give props to Frank Vogel and Jason Kidd. And, you know, LeBron obviously is a leader. Um, again, I like their depth. I would just love if DeMarcus Cousins was healthy because I think if DeMarcus Cousins was healthy, they would be they would be the best team in the NBA record-wise, but they do not, unfortunately. But if they get Derrick Rose, somebody who's cut from the same cloth as LeBron, LeBron's somebody who just loves the sport and loves the characters and the ambiance of players in the sport, and Derrick Rose epitomizes that to the max. And I think LeBron is pushing hard for, you know, Rob Polinka to get Derrick Rose. And I think Rob Palenka is hesitant, and he needs to stop being hesitant because the Lakers need Derrick Rose in that locker room. They need Derrick Rose on the floor. And Derrick Rose, to me, can propel them. They just, that one little half inch, you know, that one little half inch they need.
0: All right, Dundee, I got two more questions for you really quickly here. First question, Uh, the Cavs are a mess. Uh, What would you do? I... I want to just trade the farm. I don't care. I'd give the Lakers our whole team for free. And just... Re- I, the, the team is a mess. They, they Half those guys don't respect Coach John Wine. Kevin Love wants out. Tristan Thompson wants out. It's a mess. If you are Kobe Ullman, what do you do tomorrow?
1: Well, I think the Lakers... This is the thing. The Lakers don't have anything... The Lakers want Kevin Love. LeBron James wants Kevin Love on his team. And for good reasons. But the Lakers are they got to pay AD this summer. They're not taking on that contract. Again, Colby Altman, they need to fire Colby Altman. Colby Altman is not a good GM. Kevin Love would be gone already if it wasn't for this contract. Nobody wants this contract. I understand Kevin Love wanted to stay in Cleveland. I understand he wanted to remain a Cavalier. But now he wants out, rightfully so. I understand that. But you have this contract... And I'm not hating on Kevin Love for signing that contract. I'm hating on Kobe Altman for offering it to him because number one, he does not deserve that much money.
0: Can I argue that it wasn't Clearly. Kobe Altman? Because I do think that Dan Gilbert has a lot to do with it. It's this.
1: obviously he does, but Kobe Altman is the GM, and you can fire the GM. You can't okay, fire the but Ullman.
0: at the end of the day, is Kobe Altman just a GM title? Is Kobe Altman really running Look, the team? Need,
1: they need a new vision because the Cleveland Cavaliers, from the perspective of the league. It's LeBron James. This is the couch histor- for the histor- West.
0: This is the couch since since it. 2000. It has been without LeBron. They are absolutely a terrible, we ran, terrible team. And, and,
1: it's because, and you want to know why that is, Brandon? It's because of the mindset. LeBron James is amazing. We love him. He's the GOAT. He's the greatest player in the history of the Cavaliers franchise. But if you look back to people who actually know the history of Basketball. In the 80s, the Cavaliers were the best run franchise in the NBA. And if it wasn't for a man named Michael Jeffrey Jordan, they would have made it to the finals more than one season with Mark Price, with Brad Darty, with World Beef, you know, with, with those guys. And to have Lenny Wilkins as your head coach, they had structure. That Ted Strickland is the owner. They had structure. They scouted well. They built teams and they had a good mindset. And people liked going to Cavs games. And people enjoyed it. The Cavs have one of the nicest, most beautiful, new, renewed arenas in the NBA. They need to say to themselves, we need to change the attitude of our franchise because we can't keep thinking to ourselves, we can't win without LeBron James. You just can't think like that. You can't think like that if you're a franchise. And Dan Gilbert needs to understand that. He needs to put put people at the GM spot in coaching that understand that.
0: I don't think Dan Gilbert thinks that. I actually think Dan Gilbert thinks that this team is 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 a contender and they're just uh, underachieving. I, they have uh,
1: pieces that they have. They have that's, pieces. Colin Sexton saying. is great. Darius Garland is mm-hmm. great. Michael Porter Jr. is great.
0: Mm-hmm. Jetty Osman is a good basketball player. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's just, just a these way
1: contracts. These contracts.
0: All right, we got to move on here to the last question because we got about a minute and a half left. I want to ask you. So I'm watching the Super Bowl Sunday, right? Like everybody That guy Patrick Mahomes I think he's on goat I think he's on goat trajectory What are your thoughts Because I think at the end of the day I think
1: he's on pace And it's rare that you say Like a player's on pace You know what I mean
0: He's on pace right now
1: He's on pace to be the greatest Quarterback of all time
0: Not even greatest I think he's on pace To maybe be the greatest player ever you yeah, look at his he's numbers just, he's just right amazing. now. What we call the GOAT right now, Tom Brady. You know, Mahomes has more touchdowns and less interceptions yeah. than Brady had at this point in his career. Yeah.
1: yeah, Pat Mahomes, you know, like I said, stats, you look at the stats, you look at the records that he said, you look at his ability, and you look at the fact that he's now a Super Bowl champion in only his second season as a starter.
0: Absolutely. And,
1: and, and like I told you, it, it's rare when we talk about an athlete and say in his third or second year, this guy's on pace to be the greatest ever. I mean, I don't even think we said that about Michael Jordan. We knew he was special, but people I mean, people said that about Michael Jordan. They said he was obviously special and he's taking over the league and he's the new face, but we didn't think to ourselves this guy's on pace to be the greatest basketball player of all time. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at Pat Mahomes, even with Joe Montana, and Tom Brady. We knew they were special, but we didn't think they would be goats until like, you know, the pr- when they hit the prime of their career. Then we think, okay, where do they rank all time? Pat Mahomes has the ability to be the greatest quarterback of all time, and that's not to be questioned. He's different. He's And the undefeated, one of my favorite sports websites, they've had pieces all season that this is the year of the black quarterback, and Pat Mahomes is the architect of it. And that is there is nothing more true than that because Pat Mahomes is the best, and Pat Mahomes is a culture setter. He is somebody who's turning a new page in NFL history, and it's just awesome to see. It's awesome to see, Brandon.
0: All right, Dante, sounds good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have to take a break. Dante, I appreciate you for coming on. Thanks, Brandon. Coming up next love to you. the top of Hour 2. I love you too, my man. Coming up next to the top of Hour 2, I'm going to be going over the recap of the end of our season, where I got my predictions right and where I got them wrong, and my Eagles, where do they go next? It's is a very important offseason for them. I will talk about that. Top of the hour, coming up on Brenton's World. Thanks, Dante. and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening live in Apprentice World on this Wednesday, February 5th, Tuesday. The first show of the semester. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hour Two. And we are finally going to get to my favorite sport in all of sports the National Football League. Of course, a lot of stuff went down before we went on hiatus, including the fact the Prouds fired a ill billy, hired a new coach, and now they have what looks like an ill billy as their offensive coordinator. We are going to figure that out. Also, breaking news. The Eagles just hired Press Taylor as their new passing game coordinator. You know, I will give my thoughts on that. I'm not really sure about that. I'm not really sure what that title means. And I'll explain why that is in about 15 minutes. But we are about to go in depth here, ladies and gentlemen, and review my predictions for the 2019-2020 of our season. Let me just say, I got a lot right. I got a lot wrong. Stick with me. I'm going to talk about the Browns, the Eagles, the Super Bowl, and much more. Here we go. Let's start with the AFC East. So, New England. Ladies and gentlemen, I predicted that right here, right now, we would be talking instead of the Kansas City Chiefs having their Super Bowl parade. I predicted Tom Brady and Bill Belichick would be owning up Lombardi Trophy number 7 together. And that the New England Patriots would have a 14-2 Regular season, get the number one seed in the AFC, and go win the Super Bowl. That, of course, did not happen. There is speculation going around that Tom Brady could leave New England. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, I don't buy it one bit. I don't think Brady's leaving. I don't want to see Tom Brady leave. You know, I've, I've always said this. I don't know why people root for dynasties to fail. Dynasties is what makes sports keep going. If we don't have a dynasty... Sports is boring. Look at baseball right now. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in the cheating scandal. Besides that, did baseball have a really entertaining offseason? No. Was the World Series really entertaining this year? Nah, not really. When's the last time baseball had a true dynasty? The Giants, who won three out of five years, but they never really truly felt like a dynasty. You know, it's, it's why baseball is dying. It's why football is prospering. Because it's a boring sport. There's not that many good teams. There's not a team that you hate that you want to see go down besides the Yankees. And the Yankees really aren't a dynasty anymore. New England's a dynasty. People don't like them. They keep winning. It's the New England way. It's the most fascinating thing I've ever seen in sports. And I want to see it keep going. Now, Buffalo, I got kind of wrong. I would say I was wrong on Buffalo. I thought they would go 8-8. I thought Josh Allen would have a better season. But I thought they would miss the playoffs. They ended up going 10-6. Of course, they were the number 5 seed in the AFC. And Josh Allen played okay in the wildcard game against Houston. Of course, they had that 16 nothing lead. They didn't come out with a victory. But I thought Josh Allen actually played okay in that game. Buffalo, to me, is a bright future. I told everybody that the Jets were going to improve last year. I predicted that they would go a-nate. They finished 7-9, one game off, not really that big of a deal. And then obviously, I think Miami, we all kind of got wrong. I only predicted Miami to win one game. They ended up winning five. But let me tell you guys, I love what I'm seeing out of the Miami Dolphins. This season, the Miami Dolphins were one of the best coach teams in football. They were way better coached than the Cleveland Browns who had a bunch of talent and had a coach who was running around trying to control a bunch of personalities and it didn't work. Okay, it's why he's now the tight ends coach of the New York Giants. The Dolphins are well coached. They need to draft well, and I don't even necessarily know that they need to draft a quarterback this year. Talk about this a little bit later in the show. I'm not the biggest fan of Tua Tagovailoa. I don't think he's going to be that great of a quarterback in the NFL. I'm way bigger on Trevor Lawrence next year, as well as Justin Fields from Ohio State. I think they're both better than Tua. I don't think Tua is all that. I know Tua Tagovailoa. I know everybody's in love with him. I don't see it. And if I'm Miami, I think I just keep Ryan Fitzpatrick for, for one more year, build the offensive and defensive lines, trade up next year and go get your quarterback. In the AFC West, now this division is where I got it wrong, folks. Uh, L- Los Angeles Chargers, uh, thank God you're moving off Phillip Rivers because what in the L happened to you? Uh, I predicted you to be 11-5 and to win the division and be the number three in the, in the AFC and you ended up finishing 5-11. and Great job, Chargers. You, you know what the kids say nowadays? Boo! You stink! Find yourselves a quarterback, whether it's Justin Herbert or whether you want to trade up and get Joe Burrow, whether you want to wait the following year for Trevor Lawrence. Find yourselves a quarterback because you have a talented roster. Heck, I don't think Tom Brady would be willing to go there because they're still going to be the stepchild of the Rams. It's like the Clippers and the Lakers. The Clippers are still really the stepchild of the Lakers. But, hey, do what you need to do. Find yourselves a quarterback. Your roster's talented. You have a good coach. You watched a lot of close games. You just needed to move off Phil Rivers. Congratulations. You are grown up Chargers. Go find yourself as a quarterback. Now, the Super Bowl-winning Chiefs. I thought they would also be 11-5, but I thought the Chargers would win the tiebreakers. I like the Chargers' defense better than Kansas City, and I still do, by the way. That's a hot take right there, if you want to say so yourself. I have the Chiefs losing in the divisional round to New England. I have them beating the Chargers in LA in the wild card round and losing to the number one seed New England. Folks, as you know, at the beginning of this season, I was not that all in on Patrick Mahomes. Heck, I will still say, to some degree, I like my quarterback, Carson Wentz. Nobody watches Carson Wentz. You know why? Because the Eagles won nine and seven this year, and they didn't have a bunch of pieces, and they're not that entertaining, and Doug Peterson's overrated, and all this stuff the media says. Blah 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 blah. Folks, have you seen Carson Wentz play? Carson Wentz has as much talent as Patrick Mahomes. You put Carson Wentz in that offense with Irie Kills, Sammy Watkins, Miko Ardman, Robinson, Travis Kelsey. It was basically Zach Ertz. But still, the Chiefs have way more speed. Offensive lines very similar, but the speed difference is apparent. Kansas City has a lot more speed. Folks, you put Carson Wentz in that offense, I guarantee he puts up the numbers. Patrick Mahomes did look what Carson Wentz did this year with a bunch of lawn chairs and bean bags. Oakland, I nailed right on the head. They went 7-9. and Now, I predicted that when they still had Antonio Brown. That's overachieving if I'm Oakland. They don't have AB and they still went 7-9. But now there's a rumor they want to move off Derek Carr. Oakland, what are you doing? Derek Carr is a good quarterback. And again, I like John Gruden. I've always told you guys this. I speak West Coast offensive-minded. Check out our touchdown. That's why I love my guys. Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, John Gruden. McCarthy even runs the West Coast system. The Shanahan's, all these guys. The West Coast system is what I speak to. I understand it. Derek R fits the system. Derek R is good. Oakland, I should say, Las Vegas now. Las Vegas Raiders. What are you doing? Relax, man. You're not as good as the Chiefs. You're not as good as the Chargers. You won't be. It's okay. You can still compete for a wild card spot. Draft better. Get better on defense. You'll be okay. Now, Denver, as I call them, the boring Broncos. They went 7-9, shockingly. And Vic Vangio blew a lead against the Vikings that I would have fired them for, or they could have went eight eight. Denver's not Denver's a weird team. They're old, they have some talent. We don't know about Drew Locke, yet they're boring, and they win games. I can't stand to watch Denver. Denver's one of those boring teams I've ever seen in the NFL. Run, 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 two tight ends, three tight ends, hit them with a little play action, e-mobile quarterback, can't score the ball. They have one away weapon, Courtland but yet they win football games. It shows they are well coached. All right, AFC North, I'm just going to say it, okay? I blew it on Baltimore. I thought they were going go to go 7-9. They finished 14-2 and, of course, they have a number one seed. And I know everybody's going to knock the MVP, Lamar Jackson. Oh, my God, Lamar Jackson can't throw. Folks, relax. You know what Tennessee's game plan in that divisional round was? They said, okay, you have a bunch of tight ends, We're going to cover the inside. And what's Lamar Jackson's weakness right now when it comes to throwing the ball? He can't throw the ball outside the numbers very well. So we're going to press up because Baltimore doesn't have a physical wide receiver. We're going to force Lamar to throw the ball to the outside. Lamar, I didn't think, played terribly in that game. I didn't think he played all that terrifically well, but I didn't think he played terribly. And next year, Baltimore's going to come back because they're very well coached. Do you know what that means, Browns fans? Coaching? Do you know that matters? Uh Uh-huh, it does. So, Baltimore is well coached. They have a top three coach in football. And John Arbo came from the Andy Reid coaching tree. They're going to retool. They're probably going to get a receiver or two. Lamar's going to get better at throwing on the outside in Baltimore. They may not be 14-2. and two. They may take a step back, regular season-wise record, maybe go 11-5, and 10-6, but they're going to be a force come playoff time. All right, it's This one's going kind to of run out the window because Big Ben got hurt, but I did predict them to go 12-4 and four and finish as the number two seed in the AFC and win the division. Uh, and they finished a 8 which is really good for Pittsburgh. Remember everybody blasted them when they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick? And I said, no, it's a great deal for them. Why? Because you were probably going to draft the defensive back anyways if you were going to have a top-by-draft pick. Get Minka in the system and see what you can do. Boom. Now the Steelers are, are A&A, and if Ben comes back healthy next year, they'll be competing with the Ravens for the division in the AFC North. Now Cincinnati, I'm gonna skip the Browns and, and go to Cincinnati for right now. Man, I predicted them to go three and thirteen. They finished two and fourteen. That's pretty accurate. Um, you know, they're they're gonna draft Joe Burrow, the quarterback out of LSU. However, could I make an argument for the Bengals to draft Chase Young? Let me just say this the Bengals offensive line is okay. It's really garbage, but they have a, a maybe a guard and a center. They need to improve their tackles. I like the Browns' offensive line right now. Their defensive line's old. They don't really have a secondary. Why not go out and get Chase Young? Tank again next year for Trevor Lawrence, because I think Lawrence is better than Burrow, and you need both. You need a defensive line, an offensive line, and receivers in order for a quarterback to be good. I don't think they should trade A.J. Green if they draft Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow's going to need A.J. Green. I like Tyler Boyd, but it would be nice. Now, if you can save the money for A.J. Green, and you can go get offensive linemen, that would be okay, but I don't trust the Bengals to do that. Uh, And I do feel like that Joe Burrow will fill in Cincinnati if he goes there. And I can make an argument they need more than just a quarterback and that Andy Dalton isn't actually that bad of a quarterback. He didn't play that bad this year. It was the fact that they had no defense, and that's what Joe Burrow is going to have to deal with if he goes into Cincinnati next year. All right. So on the Cleveland Browns, um, look, I predicted them. I drank the Kool-Aid a little bit. I thought after a cool start, because reminder, I thought they were going to go 3-3. Three and three. And then I looked at the back half of those 10 games, and I said, they could go 9-1 and one and finish 12-4. and four. I said that because remember how easy the back end of the schedule was. Then I forgot their coach couldn't game plan. Their GM couldn't. Didn't know how to properly build a roster. He could look for talent. He didn't know how to properly build a roster. And fans thought the Browns were going to be good, so that means that they were going to stink. And I like Andrew Barry right now, and I like Kevin Stefanski. I don't really know that much about him, but I think some some of his stuff so far I heard I like. It's going to be a wait and see. I'm not going to judge Stefanski. Not going to judge Barry. I'm not going to judge Jimmy Haslam yet. It's going to be a wait and see. Now, once again, I've said this before so many countless times. Would I trade Odell Beckham for an offensive lineman? You bet in a heartbeat I would. I would trade Odell Beckham right now. If somebody gave me a first-round pick and a top offensive lineman, yes. Because we've seen Baker Mayfield work without number one receiver. We've seen him work with Jarvis Landry and Richard Iggins before in the past. I also think Baker Mayfield has shown a little bit of maturity so far in the interviews I've seen this offseason. But Baker... Here's some advice. You don't have to win the argument. Be a grown-up. Step up. Don't do commercials. Work hard. Shut your mouth. Be coached. Go out there and win football games. That argument could be made for the whole Browns team, but especially Baker, because Baker, you're supposed to be the leader of this franchise. And now that Buddy Boy is gone... There's nobody in that organization backing you. If you stink this year, you're out of here. Baker, you went from one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL to maybe one of the most players I can't stand in a matter of six months because of your attitude. Your attitude has changed the way I feel about the Browns. And this old Browns team was a mess last year. And part of it was coaching, but part of it was players. And you can't have that. And in order for the Bronze to be good again, they have to just start having discipline and drafting well. Alright, in the AFC South, we got the Houston Texans. I had them winning the division at 10-6 and six and being the number 4 seed. I was completely right on that. Now I had them losing the divisional round to Pittsburgh. They ended up losing in the divisional round to Kansas City. Big deal. Change of teams. I pretty much got that right. Tennessee, I had them going 8 8. They finished 9 7 and went on that magical playoff run. Let me say this about Tennessee it's the fact that Ryan Tannehill is Ryan Foles. That was the nickname I gave him. Folks, why not overthink the room? Ryan Tannehill is good. He is not a franchise quarterback, he is a bridge quarterback. Remember when everybody came on here after Nick Foles won the Super Bowl and said, Oh my God, Brandon! Nick Foles is better than Carson Woods! And I said, Time out! Beep, beep, beep! T.O. No, he's not. He fits well in the ego system. If he goes to Jacksonville, he will be nothing. And I was right on that. I actually will take Gardner Minshew over Nick Foles. I'll talk about Jacksonville in a second. Folks, If Tannehill leaves Tennessee, he's going to stink. He's in the perfect scenario. They need to franchise tag him. And the thing I like about Ryan Tannehill that I don't like about guys like Jameis Winston and these other quarterbacks, Tannehill does not turn the football over. That is key. Tannehill does not turn the football over. That's why with Franchise them and Tennessee, they're still a middle of the back team. Kind of screwed themselves by going that deep in the playoffs because they're not going to get that great of a draft pick. But Mike Vrabel is a better coach than I thought. And Tennessee, they're going to have a chance to compete for a wild card spot next season. Now, Indianapolis, I also predicted them to go 8-8. Eight, eight, eight. They ended up going 7-9. Obviously, this is right after the Andrews' walk retirement Again, I've said it when when it first happened. If I'm the coach this offseason, I'm trading for Jacoby Brissett. I'm taking for Trevor Lawrence because Jacoby Brissett is another one of those bridge quarterbacks who's good, but he's not going to get you to the promised land. And then Jacksonville, I actually had them finishing at 4-12. and 12. They finished 6-10. and 10. Big deal. Uh, They're not that good of a team. They were a one-year wonder. And I was kind of shocked by that because I actually liked Blake Bortles when he was there. I thought Blake Bortles kind of fit. And then I don't know what happened there. The personalities just kind of all fell apart in Jacksonville. And that's what happened. All right, really quickly, we are going to take about a minute break. Because coming up, we're going to be talking about my Philadelphia Eagles. And we need to hear this, ladies and gentlemen. One, two, three. And eagles Eagles Man, that felt good to say, ladies and gentlemen so, of course my eagles. Out of the last four games, they were staring at 5-7. and seven. They went 4 now. And, oh. and Carson Wentz was throwing to Craig Ward and Robert Davis and Boston Scott and Miles Sanders and everybody else on the practice squad. And carried this team on his back to the playoffs. But ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you, unfortunately, and I think you're going to be shocked by this, next year, I think my Eagles, and I hope I hope I'm wrong on this, And I'm starting to feel like I am going to be wrong on this because everything I'm reading seems like they're going to go for it. But I think they're going to take a step back. I think the Dallas Cowboys next year are going to win the division. Now, I'm not endorsing Mike McCarthy. I just think the Eagles are going to get rid of some old players, namely Jason Peters, maybe Alshon Jeffrey, some of those older players. Take a step back. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why I didn't want Andrew Berry to leave Philadelphia. Because Andrew Berry was very influential on the drafting of Miles Sanders, Andre Dillard. You know, JJ Arcega, Whiteside, who is still, in my opinion, a bust. Who knows, he could bust him next year. But I like what Andrew Berry has done for the Eagles organization in terms of drafting. Because that is not Howie Roseman's strength. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the Eagles just named Press Taylor as their passing game coordinator to me, I guess that means he's technically their offensive coordinator. Of course, he was the QB coach. He was the quality control coach back in 2013 under Chip Kelly. Doug Peterson kept him on the staff. He kept rising up. He's also the brother of Bengals head coach Zach Taylor. And Carson Wentz is apparently very fond of Zach Taylor. Or not Zach, excuse me, Press Taylor. So I like the hire. Though I like to see somebody outside the organization brought in. I think that the Eagles sometimes are very loyal to their players. and It's not a bad thing, but it also is a little bit of a bad thing because it's hard to move on from players. Belichick will never be loyal to players. So we'll see what this Eagles team does, but everybody that's telling me that Carson Wentz isn't that good or that Dak Prescott is better than Carson Wentz or that Carson Wentz is injury-prone and all this stuff, y'all need to shut your mouths because Carson Wentz got cheap-shotted last year by Clowney in that playoff game, and otherwise, I do believe the Eagles could have beat Seattle. The Eagles were a better team that day than the Seahawks. Their backup quarterback, Josh McCown, tore his hamstring off the bone as soon as he came into that game. The Eagles had pretty much no choice but to play an injured quarterback or play a wide receiver or quarterback. That's what they were up against, and they only lost by eight points, and they had many opportunities to win the game. I believe Carson Wentz is in there. His mobility is a factor, and I think that we get that done. I think we beat the Seahawks with a bunch of lawn chairs and good defense. I am happy Jim Schwartz is coming back next year's defense defensive coordinator. I think Jim Schwartz is a very underrated defensive coordinator. What I want to see us do is go get one more pass rusher because our pass rush was inconsistent this season. And I want to see us go get a corner that can just man up and go play the damn ball. Because sometimes our corners are so small and we get mossed. But at the end of the day, I like this Eagles team. I don't really know how they're uh, they're going to do next year. But they are my ride-or-die Carson Wentz is my quarterback for the next 10 years, whether y'all like it or not. I will take him over 90% of the quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I watch Carson Wentz's every snap this season. I've seen enough out of Carson Wentz out of the last four years. The kid is as talented as Patrick Mahomes. Again, as I mentioned earlier, if you take Carson Wentz and put him on that Chiefs offense, I believe he is on GOAT projectory like Patrick Mahomes is right now. Obviously, Dallas un- underachieved. They got Mike McCarthy as a new head coach. I think he's a grown-up, but I think he's a grown-up version of Jason Garrett. I don't think they do anything special. The Giants and Joe Judge is, is-, is a wait and see, and Washington and Ron Rivera, I don't care they got Ron Rivera. Washington's still a mess. Uh, I predicted the Giants to go 2-14 and 14 and Washington to go 3-13. and 13. Giants got two more wins. I thought Washington stayed the same. So, there's that. Really quickly here, I'm going to run through the the NFC West. Uh, Look, I thought the Niners would go 8-8. And and I really like the Niners' philosophy. Though, can we talk about Kyle Shanahan? Because Kyle Shanahan, to me, blew that Super Bowl. I've always said, you're going to ride or die with being aggressive. And Kyle Shanahan was not aggressive near the end of the first half when they got that sack on the Chiefs and he didn't take the timeout, he let the clock run, and to me, that caused the Niners the game. Now, I know that all the offense pass interference that will, would have led to a field goal, but it's just the point. The Niners could have had time to go down and score a touchdown. Who knows what could have happened in that sequence? Uh, and even John Lynch was calling, timeout. out." I just think it was a bad look. I think that uh, Kyle Shannon, for the most part, treated Jimmy Garoppolo like he was Mitchell Nobiski and then decided late in the game that Jimmy could throw, and he had one throw, and Jimmy G missed it, and that's what causes the game. I think the Niners take a little bit of a step back next year. I think the Niners, Seattle, and the Rams all fight somewhere in that 10 and 6 to 13 and 3 range to win the division and make the playoffs. And I like Arizona going forward with Kyler Murray. In the North, I nailed it with Green Bay. Everybody told me it was crazy that they were going to go 13-3 reach the NFC Championship game. I was right on that. Everybody told me it was crazy that Chicago was taking a step back. I was right on that. I said I wasn't sold on Mitch Trubisky. He's basically Mitchell, no Bitsky at this point. The Vikings, I thought, would go a and They finished 10-6. They beat the Saints. They kind of overachieved a little bit. I like the Vikings roster. I like a lot about the Vikings. I like Kirk Cousins. I like their roster, but I don't love anything about them. And that's why, to me, they're just playoff contenders, not Super Bowl contenders, and there's a real difference. And then the Lions are obviously the Lions. And in the South... Really quickly, everybody knows this by now, but I'll just say it one more time. I had Atlanta really eye on my radar, and I thought the Saints were going to take a step back. I was completely wrong on that. I think the Saints' window is open for one to two more years, uh, and I think that the Falcons' window is only open for another year or so, and that old division to me looks like it could come down to Carolina and Tampa Bay in three or four years. Who knows, but they're both messes as well. Carolina doesn't know what they're doing, even though they gave Matt Rule a a long-term contract. We'll see if he can build a program there. Jameis Winston, man, turns the ball over way too much for Tim and I've never been a big fan of Bruce Arians, so that's one of the weirdest divisions to me in football. But if you want to take a look here really quickly at the numbers of my predictions this season, out of the 32 teams, I got about 14 of them right in the regular season, which would equal 44%. I got six out of the twelve playoff teams that were in, so that's half. I predicted four out of the eight division winners. Again, the ones I got right were the Packers and the Eagles in the NFC. And in the AFC, I got New England and I got Houston right. Uh, And then out of the entire playoff games, I picked 6 out of 11 right, which 55%. I ended up picking the Super Bowl correct. Go read our Super Bowl article on the website. I had Kansas City winning at 36 or 33. Didn't get the score right, but I got Kansas City right, and that's all that matters. All right, so coming up next to wrap up the show today, we're going to quickly go over Kent State sports as well as the college football playoff. What are my thoughts on Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Alabama, and dynasties in the 2020s ending? Once again, you are listening to brand's World here on this Wednesday, and we will be back. Hey, what's your thing about leaving us into this show? Well, don't. Why? Because we have 55 other fantastic shows that play seven. That's right, seven days a week. Every day from 10 a.m. to 2 a.m., our grandparents put the random radio and a guarantee to rock your socks off. Also, look out for taking giveaways and other promotions throughout the semester. If you need even more punctual radio in your life, make sure to check out the amazing music and pop culture articles on our website, including our great staff members this week, they have put out a article about Vine 2, the quote-unquote next thing next to TikTok, and the future of music journalism. Those are two new articles, as well as our uh, website has put together a co piece of music we want to see in 2020. You can check that out, as well as the sports tomorrow and Super and also going on with the sports tomorrow, we have the NFL Mock draft version 1. That is coming out tomorrow. So what a lot of great music and sports stuff coming out on the website And don't forget to keep it locked on BlackSquirrelRadio.com. Again, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening live here to Brand's World on this Wednesday from noon to 2, our new show, Time Slot. And in case you guys are wondering, you guys can never listen in live. We are now officially on Anchor. Yes, our podcasting platform will be under Brandon's World on BSR. That is, again, Brandon's World on BSR. You can also follow me on Twitter at Real underscore B You can also follow the Facebook page, Real B World BSR. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, since we were last on the air, the college football playoff happened. And, folks, I got to tell you, Everybody keeps trying to tell me that Joe Burrow isn't going to be that good in the NFL. And I said, or in the show, if he goes to Cincinnati, I do agree because I don't think they have the pieces there to help him. But Joe Burrow, what he did against Oklahoma and Clemson in the College of Oblap is extraordinary. You can't make it up. Okay, Joe Burrow has great passing mechanics. He's all He's a good kid. He can throw the football. He can make all the throws. He's a little bit mobile. And most importantly, and this is what I love about him, he's humble. He's a grown-up. And whatever situation he's in, he's going to try to fix. Again, in Cincinnati, I don't know if he's going to be able to fix it. But I will root for him even if he's in because I like Joe Burrow. He's an Ohio kid. Again, he can make all the flows. He's fantastic. LSU's coaching is fantastic. And LSU, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, and Oklahoma right now are all better than Alabama. Folks, dynasties that existed in the 2000s and the 2010s They're all dying. Some of them may have already been dead, but they're all slowly dying. Alabama football, the Golden State Warriors, the New England Patriots. They're all dying. And is it good or bad for sports, is the question. For college football, I think it's really good. Personally, I didn't mind not seeing Alabama in this year because I think we have great coaches. Ed Ogeron, Davo Sweeney, Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley, Kirby Smart. They all have their flaws, but they're all smart, good coaches. And they're all great recruiters. You have to be in college football. And college football has extraordinary quarterback play right now that's going to make it entertaining and that we don't need Alabama. But like the Golden State Warriors dynasty ended... And everybody's so sad about it. And I'm not going to lie. I don't miss Steph Curry in every single commercial. I don't miss Clay Thompson. I don't miss Draymond Green. But I do a little bit miss Kevin Durant in Golden State. I know everybody hated Durant in Golden State. But I said at the time it was best for business. I was the one person who originally predicted that he was going to go to Golden State. He did. And, you know, when you watch greatness, this is why I try to watch every sports great that I believe is great. A La Undisputed, The Herd. Those are my two main sports shows I watch because I believe Skip Bayless, and Sharp, Colin Coward. I believe they're all great, and I love watching greatness. It's why next to the Eagles and the Browns, my favorite teams to watch in the NFL is New England because they do something so great and so smart every week that you would never think about. That this year in college football was LSU, and it's been Clemson, and it's going to continue to be them, and you add Ohio State in with Ryan Day, who I think is a really smart, offensive-minded head coach. Man, what a great time to be a college football fan. What a great time to be a sports fan, and what a great time to enter into this new decade. All right, with that being said, on a local level, folks, there's a quarterback in Ken finally Kent State as a quarterback. Uh, I don't know if you were aware but Kent State went from 3 and 6 to 6 and 6 and they won a bowl game and they put up 50 points in said bowl game by a quarterback named Dustin Crum. And Dustin Crum has the highest passer rating in the MAC. He doesn't turn the football over. He had I believe what one interception or two interceptions the whole season. Dustin Crum can play, folks. And congratulations to the Kent State football team on winning their bowl game. I'll be the first one to say it here on air. Now, I don't think Kent State deserves a parade. I don't think any team in college football deserves a parade. That's not a knock at Kent. I think a parade should only be for professional sports. But I do think that Kent State deserves it, and I think that it'll help them get recruiting. I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. I'll say, yay. They won a bowl game. They'll get some recruits. It's good for the future of the program. But let's see what they can do. Let's see if they can turn it around next season. Also, talking about state men's basketball. Now, last night they lost 62 to 54, unfortunately, to Ball State. But and state right now is currently 16 and 7. They are third in the MAC East. By an Akron, who's 16-6, and six and Bowling Green, who is 17 and 17-6. Buffalo is 14-9. and nine. There are going to be a lot of competition for Kent State in the MAC East. But Kent State, they got off to odd start, obviously, and then they got off to 7-8-0, no, and they've kind of fallen back to 500 since then, which is a little bit of a concern. But you look at Kent State this season. You know, you got Impen, who's the leading scorer, 14 points a game. Pimpin's the leading rebounder at seven a game, but their assists are way off. Avery Williams only has four assists a game. They're only averaging, on average, 14 assists a game. That is not going to cut it when it comes time to MAC tournament time, in my opinion. Now, also, when you take a look at this. Uh Fork and State, my main concern for them going forward in basketball is that they don't have a lot of rim protection. Phil Winnington and and Wheeler, that's about all they have when it comes to 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 rim protection. They're pretty much just a shooting team and I don't know how far that's going to go in the Mac tournament. We'll see. What's up if they can get to Cleveland again. If they get to Cleveland, the sports we will cover it, but we'll see if they can get there. In terms of the women, the women are 11 and, and, and 8 right now. They play home tonight against a struggling Bowling Green team, and then both the men and the women have a home game. That would be next Saturday, February 15th. The men will be playing Ohio at 1 o'clock, and then Kent State women's basketball will plays Toledo at 3.30. They'll be going down again next Saturday, one fifteen. 15 at the Mac Center. So that is your Kent State Sports Update. So really quickly, guys, I I wanted to say this because we have somewhere about eight minutes left. So I wanted to wrap up the show today by just discussing what I think is going to go down in the future of all these sports. You know, today I kind of gave you guys the guidelines Hey, this is what's going on in the MLB. This is what's going on in the NBA. This is what's going on in the NFL. And I got to say, I think the NFL over the next five years is going to be fantastic. I cannot think of a better time in my life when we've had better quarterback play than now. I mean, seriously, who's the worst quarterback in football? Is it Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Rosen? You can make an argument Nathan Peterman, if he was a starter, is the worst quarterback in the NFL. Besides that, I can't really think of a bad one. Quarterback play is so exceptional now. Maybe Denver because they're so boring. But besides that, a lot of these teams I can watch. Detroit's one of those teams that you're like, "Eh, you know what I want to watch. It's like Tampa Bay. "Eh." But for the most part, most of these teams are pretty entertaining. And in the NBA, you look at... It's not very entertaining. There's only a few teams, the Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, maybe the Rockets, maybe the Nuggets. I disagree with our great guest, Dante Santavante, who thinks that the Rockets could be potential championship contenders because they have Harden and Westbrook. I I disagree. I think they're both choke artists. I think they go out in the first round again. I disagree uh, with the Capella trade. I think me and Dante talked about this earlier. I don't know what Daryl Morty's doing. I don't know what the analytics are in this trade. Capella's a great rim protector. To me, they just cost themselves potentially a chance to get out of the first round. And then, you know, when it comes to baseball, I think that the uh, Mookie Betts trade, I think the Dodgers won. Flat out won. I thought they flat out stole them. Again, they they basically replaced Jack Peterson with Mookie Betts and had uh, Cy Young Award winner David Price. That's what both those trades came down to. And I think the Dodgers have now set themselves up to as clearly the best team in the National League. They're going to make the playoffs. Their division is horrible. Who do they got to go for, the Braves and the Nationals? The Phillies will probably be a little bit better. I don't think anybody in the National League Central is on their level. So, you know, if you're a Dodgers fan, you should wake up feeling very, very happy this morning. And again, if you're a Red Sox fan, you should be feeling terrible because this is a thing a small market team would do. This would be something the Indians would do. They had Francisco Lindor. It would be they would trade them. They would get some kind of value back. But again, we don't need to trade Lindor for the next couple of years. You don't need to worry about Lindor's contract right now. You need to focus on your team this year. And I said to the top of the show, I don't think the Indians are that bad. They have Allen, They have Jose. They have Windor, They have Mercado. They have Santana. They have Reyes. They have Perez. They have Cesar Hernandez, who they got from the Phillies. They have the Shields, who they got in the trade for Corey Kulber. They have Jordan Lupol, Tyler Naquin. Even without Kulber, their Asians Asian still strong. Bieber, Clevenger, Carrasco, Savali, Pletko, They Their bullpen, they still have Ann, Wickren, Simber, and those guys from last season. The Indians are going to be a French team. The White Sox only got better with their additions this year. And Gio Gonzalez and the other additions that they added. Minnesota, I think they take a little bit of a step back. I don't think they win 100 games. Will they be good enough to beat the Indians in the Central? I don't know. I think it's going to be really tight. But I think if you're a fan of Cleveland sports this morning, like we all are, when I'm sitting in this chair... And sometimes I don't think I resonate with Cleveland because sometimes you fans are just so stupid. I'm not even going to finger point. Sometimes I think you fans are so stupid I don't even know why I live here. But I think if you wake up in Cleveland this morning, you're saying to yourself, the Indians are the best run organization in this town. Baloney with the Browns, Baloney with the Cavs. As much as you guys hate Dolan because you say he's cheap, the Indians are well run. They always do what's right at the trade deadline. They haven't cheaped down on Lindor yet. And they're always in contention. And that's really hard to do for a small market in baseball. You have to give the Indians props. The Cavs don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to win without LeBron. And the Browns are always going to be a mess as long as Jimmy Aslum is in charge. They hired a guy named Buddy Boy who couldn't figure out how to build an offensive line. They hired a truck driver as a head coach. And now they fired those guys. And now it looks like they might be able to turn around with Kevin Stavansky. But he's another rookie-ed coach. It's like, it's it's a wait-and-see, folks. So when you start bashing the Indians, think about what we had in 2010. The Browns stunk. The Cavs stunk. The Indians stunk. Think about that before you start bashing the Indians. Because at least we have the Indians right now. Folks, I want you all to have a fantastic weekend. I want you all to enjoy the XFL this weekend. The XFL starts this weekend. Can't wait for it. I think it's going to be a great alternative. I will say this. I think the XFL is going to work. I think it's going to work a lot better than the AAF, and I want to enjoy it. And hey, if If every Cleveland team stinks, we can always go to the XFL, right? Or as my good friend would say, just move the Cleveland Barons back and have a hockey team. We'll see about that. But that's all I got for today. I have class in about a half an hour. So unfortunately, folks, I am not going to be able to upload this show to a podcast right away this semester. It'll be uploaded sometime around 7, 8 o'clock at night. Again, they'll be all on all our podcasting forums on Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, and search Brandon's World on BSR. I appreciate you guys for joining me. We are in prime time, ladies and gentlemen. News to on a Wednesday, talking sports every Wednesday. Again today we talked about the MLB trade that went down last night. We talked about the Royal Rumble and Edges Return. I had Dante Santavante sit across from me. We talked about Obi Bryan's great great legacy. And NBA basketball, we went head on with the NFL and Kent State Sports in the second hour. So I appreciate all you guys for listening in. Make sure you check out all of our sweet articles on our website. And you are listening to the web director here on Score Radio, Brand's World. And we will see you guys next week. Peace.